new world coming? Or are you in the wheelbarrow? You know, it doesn't really make much difference when you're standing on shore. It makes a lot of difference halfway across the tightrope. And in our everyday experiences, in our life, in our choices, in our, our waking up, going through our days, and going back to bed, we can play it safe. We can stay in the boat. We can maintain our comfort zone. Or we can walk on the water with Jesus. But if you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. What do you think about? What are you connected to? What's driving you? What's motivating you? What makes you make the choices you make? Who is most important in your life? Not in your words, not out of your mouth, but out of your life. Would you pray with me, please? Father, when I think about all that you've entrusted to us in stewarding that, whether it's our finances, our acquisitions, our, our giftedness, the way that you've shaped us and wired us, it is so easy to sit on the shore and talk about faith and talk about abundance and talk about trusting you until it's time to get into the wheelbarrow and allow you to really dictate our lives. And I ask God that as we look at your scripture, as we unpack um, a, a powerful story in the New Testament, God, remind us that our faith is revealed not in our comfort zones, but, it, but in the moments of saying, God, here, this is yours. And I'm trusting you because you are a trustworthy God. I pray, God, that you will reveal to our own hearts areas that are they're holding tight to whatever it may be. And I ask God that you'll give us wisdom and more importantly, freedom so that we may live our lives the way that you desire, that we may live in your abundance and not on our own. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. We have been spending a few weeks. Uh, I, I found that video several years ago and I, and I thought it's, it's easy to, to applaud somebody for doing something pretty extraordinary until they ask you to get in the wheelbarrow and let them roll you across. Um, a lot of us would be um, yikes. And so it, it, I just thought uh, the theme for today is this idea that faith is revealed. That your faith is revealed when God asks you to do or give, especially in this story, to give something that's really, that's, that's all you got. You don't got any more. Last week we looked at a boy who had some fish and some bread. And by giving him up, he was taking a chance that he may not eat. And he came from a poor background. But he said, you know, I, I, I see the need. And mine can't feed everybody, but it could certainly do something. And I love what um, Craig Rochelle, uh, he pastors a multi-site church down in Oklahoma. But he talks about tithing and giving and stewarding well what you have. But he said this a few years ago. He said the average Christian in the U.S. gives about 2% of their income toward helping people and advancing God's kingdom on earth. That means that the remaining 98% goes to the world. And you're in there, well, no, Dan, it goes to me. Well, think about where all that typically goes. Um, and so it's, it's interesting that Craig 
caught that several years ago. We said this in different ways, but I know this. Isn't rich kind of a moving target? Because it depends on who you look at. Because if you look at the person to your left or to your right, or somebody at work, or where they live, or the things they drive, um, the the places they go, all the gadgets they may have, their hobbies, we typically look at that, but it is a moving target. Um, You know, when I was first working, I remember when $6 an hour seemed like a lot of money. Uh, what what is the what is the labor rate now? How much? Seven forty five. Back in nineteen eighty six, I'd have thought I was a king. Perspective is a is a thing, isn't it? And being rich is a moving target because just when you think, oh, we're here, there's somehow we we keep moving because somebody else says somebody else. You look at somebody else and they've got or they've just acquired. How many of you, how many of you had that moment uh, when you looked at somebody and you thought, man, I need to get a new car too. I remember uh, Chris Gillespie and I used to live across from each other. He and another guy used to kind of un- unlock and lock the church at Sharon. And my dad lived in the parsonage on the other side. I remember Chris got an 84 Firebird. And I thought that thing was and I was driving that Toyota Cycle, and you were here before you heard my painful story. And I wanted something new, so I bought a Ranger, Ford Ranger truck, only because I wanted something new. Nothing was wrong with what I had. But I saw Chris's beautiful Firebird, and I was like, oh, well, I just need to get something new too. We tend to look at somebody, and they go, well, man, you got a new tool? Where did you get that new drill? Well, I'm just going to go get the same thing, or I'm going to get the next better one. You see that uh, cell phone commercials where the, somebody gets the newest phone, and about the time you've got your new phone, the newest one's about to come out. Or the TV, or about any technology for that matter. All the new cars have their big deals going on right now to the end of the year. And typically, almost all ads are telling you that you're missing out, that you, you're missing out on something, that you don't, you should upgrade. Um, it's funny how that plays, but it is a moving target. Target. I'll also say this. We all want and think that what everybody else has, I just need to be a part of that group. And that's a dangerous, slippery slope because when you think that if I just get a little of this and I get a little bit of this, this will somehow make me feel valued. I'll have all the things I need. And yet we just keep adding to that plate. We keep adding. And I think one of the things that I've noticed is whenever I do, whenever I compare myself to somebody else, um, it steals from what God has already done. And we tend to look at well, God, if I just had that house, or if I just had this, or if I could afford that, and, 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 and here what I've, what I've learned mostly about myself, and probably some of you can attest to this too, it's typically not bad things. They're just not essential things. They're just not essential things. We, we think that we want those things, and we think, how, how many of you, we've said, I've asked this question before, how many of you have ever had buyer's remorse? Oh, man, a lot of you. Okay, so you know. You know, you you buy something and it was a good deal. Um, You thought, oh man, this will be great. And you get it home and it's like, you know, where's the receipt? Where's the receipt? It's going back. And we we get that because we think somehow this makes me feel better. Uh, How many of you got children, grandchildren? Sometimes the, the present 
is nothing compared to the box it came in. <laughs> Am I right? Man, the box is awesome. Let me just hide in the box. I, I can't tell you over the years how many pictures at Christmas time on social media that they're playing with the box and not what was in the box. And I, I see that for us. But when we compare and we look at everybody else and we look at everything else and we look around and we go, man. And so that causes us to hold things. Uh, uh, ben said it so well. We, we tend to hold things a lot tighter than God ever intended for us to do. He didn't intend for us to hold so tightly to those things that, that he's given to us. And so I, one of the things I thought about as I was getting ready for this, <clears throat> what's, your, uh, what's your thought as the offering plate, that offering time, it's at the end of the service. What's running through your mind when, when uh, this, this thing is about to get passed? You know, What's running through your mind? Oh, man, here comes that plate again. Really? Do they have to do it every week? Is it, is it, is it complete apathy? You just let it go on by and, and you don't even, it doesn't even collect a thought? Does it, does it give you a twinge of guilt? Does it give you a twinge of arrogance? I put so much in that plate every week. This door, those doors would shut if I wasn't putting my stuff in. Is it out of obligation? Man, God, really? I could be going to the Chiefs game next week if I wouldn't put all that in there. I would own all the things I've always wanted if I wasn't doing this. Here, God. But something I've started doing when I put offering in and when I write, I still write a check. I'm old school on that. Um, And we have lots of vehicles for you to do. But when was the last time that you just stopped for a second and said, thanks God that I get to give back to you because you have given so much to me? When was the last time? Because I think for a lot of us, we mindlessly write the check and we do our due diligence and we do what we're supposed to do. And I wonder if we would ever stop and just say, man, God, I thank you that I get to give back to you. That I get, to, this isn't, because we've always said this, this is an act of worship. It's not an act of obligation. It's not out of annoyance. It's, it's, it is a demonstration of faith because God is asking you to do something. And he's saying, do you trust me? Are you with me? And so when the plate goes by, I'm going to guess in this room with the size that we are, that there are lots of thoughts that go by. There's, oh, that, you, you, we get that, that person when they, when they I've, seen, I've seen this with people when it comes to the offering plate. It's like the person that is uh, begging for money and they go, and they just keep on walking. And that's what some people do with the offering plate. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll get it next week. But we don't see this as an act of worship. I think too often we're just putting the thing in, just going about it. But what if we just paused every Sunday as you're doing your thing and saying, God, I am so grateful that I get to put this and be a part of something bigger than myself. We talked about that with the boy last week. And we're going to see that here with another story this week is that your part doesn't define anything it's just being a part of something bigger than yourself. Your part is important. Your part is makes it all work together. 
And that's really important for us. Uh, I want you to go to your Bibles in Luke chapter 20. We're going to kind of transition over to 2021. But while you're going there, I've got a friend. I've got another interview this week. I'm going to invite my friend Sherry Thompson to come up here. Where are you, Sherry? There you are. So go to Luke 20 while you're doing that. I'll invite my friend Sherry up. Come on, sweetie. You get the comfy one. You there? Everybody say hi, Sherry. Uh, I talked to Sherry um, about where we're going today. And if you're familiar with the story of the widow's might, and we're going to unpack that. But I thought for you to hear from somebody in that same similar season to talk about why tithing was an important part of her life and maybe your tithing journey. So Sherry, tell us a little bit about your tithing journey and kind of where you are today. In my life, uh, I was raised in a Christian home and it was instilled in me to that what I had was God's and that uh, I needed to give back to Him, showing my love to Him. And so I learned that through the instructions that I received in church as well as at home. I was uh, also blessed with a wonderful marriage. And as we stepped into that uh, level of our life, well, uh, we saw that this was something to continue with. That from life starting, the first break we get, God's giving us. He's sharing with us. And as uh, we grew, uh, it helped us to grow to do this because we knew that uh, everything we had was only through God. And even in our tough times, that when we didn't think we could do it, uh, God provided. Uh, as I've stepped into the, the place I am now, uh, two years ago I lost my husband and was uh, moved from Texas to Kansas. And in that, it's been a big change. And yet, through that, God has provided. Each step that we had to take through his struggles, uh, God was there. And we kept giving because we knew that when we give, God can use that for someone else. So I'm very blessed to know my Lord. So how long were you married? 58 years. 58 years. So, yeah. And so during that journey, that was part of who you guys were. Yes, yes. And that was an important part of your lives. And then then when you lost your husband... Was it more challenging for you? Was it was there was there transition because you know that was part of who you guys were? Yes, it was a big big thing because at first I didn't know uh, how we would handle the situation he was put into, and but yet I said whatever he needs would be the priority. God would take care of me. So uh, then, since that happened, well. Uh, God's been with me. He's brought me here. This is a wonderful church. It's a place that uh, is 
a family to you if you'll accept the family. There's a lots of wonderful people. And uh, through getting in active things in the church, I have found that that's always a plus because we find other Christians that can be family again, new friends. And uh, that gives us the ability to keep going. And God has blessed me in so many ways since I've been here in Kansas. Well, thank you for sharing. Give her a hand. Thank you so much, Sherry. Appreciate your transparency. Thank you, sweetie. Come on. Thank you. Something she said, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, is that being, and I don't know that this is foolproof, but I do believe there's some truth to it, that being invested in the church, you typically are going to say, I'm going to be a part of it financially too. If you're kind of a sitting over here or sitting over there and just kind of you just do the Sunday thing and go home. But Sherry said something important that when you're in it, you're like, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. And that's what we talked about last week. And that's where we're going to go this week is, is this story. Uh, it's interesting because the widow who's coming to worship to, to be a part of the services at when, when Jesus is talking, she had, a widow has, in Jesus' culture, had very limited resources. She would have been hopefully dependent on either children or grandchildren or friends. Um, there wasn't anything really set up for those. They were kind of left to fend for themselves. So hopefully she was placed. But based on what she gives, we know that she doesn't have a lot of resources and, and really had, really had no, nothing to speak of. And, I, and it's something I, I, I caught last week when we talked about the boy is in that word there was a word saw Jesus saw Jesus was really good at seeing better than we are he sees not only what was being given but he also sees more importantly the heart in which it was given and I, I thought it was really interesting that we saw that last week with the boy so if you've got your Bibles we're in Luke 20 starting in verse 45 because we back up a little bit to kind of some context of how the religious leaders were uh, treating people, especially the widows of that day. And it said this, it said, on hearing all of the, all, on hearing all the people that he said to his disciples, be aware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and, long, and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at feast. Look at what he says to them about them in verse 47. Who devour widows. Who devour widows' houses and for a, pen, a pretense make long prayers. They will receive their great, greater condemnation. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering plate. See, Jesus saw them and typically in that culture they they wanted to be seen you know they wanted to be seen putting their offering plate in they want uh, putting their money in the offering plate they wanted it to be people going wow look how much they're putting in look at that and people wanted to be noticed for their giving and see so Jesus saw not only the amount they were putting in but more importantly he saw here he saw what people were, he saw what really the motive behind it was. He saw 
And then verse 2, look at what it says of verse 21. Or chapter 21, excuse me. He said, And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Now, in current culture, that would have been like about a fourth to an eighth of the value of a penny in our culture today. And we would look at that and go, does that really matter? Is it, does it count? Because what they were giving is going to get more impact. What they were doing is going to do a whole lot more. But see, God has a way of flipping how we see stuff. How, what we really find valuable And he knew that the people who were giving large amounts and were doing it for the show is that their their motive was not pure. It was, let me me show you how generous I am. Let 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 me show God what I can do for him. Instead of God saying, let me do for you. Anything you've got is 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 come from me. But he saw a poor woman, a poor widow, put two copper coins in. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more in than all of them. Because too many of them were putting into an offering plate out of, out of obligation, out of show, out of, let me tell you, out of really no worship at all and no faith at all. No faith at all. It was easy to put in. It's, let us be honest. It's easy to put in the excess. That doesn't require any faith whatsoever. It's, that's easy to do. He says, he, she put in more than all of them. I mean, Jesus was implying that, that what she did, because her faith hinged on putting those coins in. Like the boy last week, this is important. She gives away some coins. I don't know about you, but if you gave, if you gave, God doesn't always ask us to give everything, but he asked her and she gave it as an act of worship. We're going to talk about that here more in just a second. And look at what Jesus said. He says, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in, look at, what it, look at the word. It doesn't say some of what she had. It says what? Say it again. It says all. It says all that she had. All that she had look at what it says on the end at the end of that all that she had to live on not a one of us in this room if that lady came into this building this morning and walked up to you and said I need some wisdom she goes up to Mona who's doing our FPUP she says Mona I need some wisdom from you God has convicted me pretty clearly that I am to give all that I have today Most of us in this room, including me, would go, really? You got nothing. You got nothing after that. And we would go, okay, if God has said so, you probably should. And then, and then most of us would be going, oh, I'm glad that's her, not me. And I think when you think about that, she gave all. It was a demonstration. It was showing. I love this. If you're, if you, I've given you a note page. I'm going to throw some things up on there. And if you find them helpful, pick the things that God is speaking to you about. Jesus judges the poor woman's gift not by how much she gave, but how much she had left after 
giving. Did you hear what I said? Jesus judged her not by how much she gave, but how much was left. Because that meant she was totally dependent upon him to provide. She was going, God, it's all yours. And I, I, we already talked about this, but it's this. It's not a sacrifice to give God out of your own generosity, out of your own abundance. It's not really a gift. It's like, oh, this isn't going to, I'm going to give that. That's nothing. I can write that check. That's nothing. But man, what if God said, how about a little bit more? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now you're cutting into my, my fun money. Now you're cutting into my vacation money. Now you're cutting into my nest egg, God. See, typically when God asks us to give and to, to give to where we have to do some trusting in faith, um, it's, it's typically to stretch us. Giving is an act of worship. I've said that to you, and it, it really is. That's like the offering plate. It is an act of worship. It is, it, it's important that we see that. Giving also demonstrated, I love this, giving demonstrated her full faith and full surrender. Her full faith, because it wasn't in her. Because like the little boy last week, think about this. You have a widow who has limited resources and may not potentially have any family. Jesus knew her story, but we don't get any context that she had sons or daughters or grandchildren. It says that she was a widow. And and in that culture, widows had very few resources. And yet here she was saying, God, I trust you. It's all yours here. And I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to give it out of worship. See, whenever, whenever we're called to give beyond our comfort zone, it, it becomes an act of worship. It's, not, it's, not, it's easy to give out of the abundance. It's quite frankly, there's not a lot of faith in that moment. And she gave out of all she had. And it was out of faith and full surrender that God, this is yours. Even this little bit. But God saw the heart, a faith of a woman that said, you can do something with this. And one of the reasons I wanted you to have to hear from Sherry is that your part matters. God's not asking you to fulfill somebody else's responsibility. He's asking you to fill your responsibility, to take care of what you've, what he's entrusted you with and to honor him with it. So he's only asking to start with at a baseline of 10%. And then beyond that is, is just being generous saying, God, I feel compelled by what you've given me to do here. How can I be a part of some? Many of you give you do Operation Christmas Child, you help our students go to camp, you buy crazy amounts of candy for a trunk or treat, uh, you'll do other things, you, you'll help other people do stuff, you'll, you'll give to benevolence, you'll, uh, you, we have lots of you that do lots of other things, you say, I don't, hey, we need some carpet, let's, hey, here you go. See, the, the cool part is, is when you start to think, my part in the context of everybody else's part is really cool when you get to see God do that. And then you get to see God, yay God stuff. You get to see, yay God, I saw God step in and do. I saw God provide. I saw God, I mean, Sherry talked about that, you know, that that's transition from losing her husband to, okay, how does this look? How am I going to continue on doing the things that we've done? And I love what Timothy Keller said in that, in that regard. He said, for Jesus, greed is not only the love of money, but excessive anxiety about it. And see, depending on where you are, you you can stress about it 
when you're really young because you either you're you don't have enough or when you're really and you're in your retirement years you're thinking is this going to last is this going to be enough uh, what if we have a health scare or what if something bad happens and i and i need to take a bunch of money and there's certainly some you can, you you want to be smart with what god's entrusted to you but what if god asked you to do something with it what if he asked you to downsize? What if he asked you to sell one of your cars? What if he asked you to do without cable? See, oftentimes God is asking us in the things that we hold on the most tightly to things. Those are the things we probably need to surrender because they're keeping us from being the kinds of men and women that God has called us to. And it's easy to surrender the things that we don't care about. You know, we're having our free garage sale in a couple of weeks. What if God asked you to cough up your really nice TV because it's taking too much time away from your family? What if instead of upgrading your phone, you kept your old one? What if instead of upgrading your car, you kept your older car? Because we look around and we compare and we think, man, they've got a nice new this or they got that. And instead of saying, God, thank you, I got what I have, we're looking at everybody else and thinking, well, I just need to do this and do this and do this. And this widow walks into an offering thing. And I promise you, she probably look at the other people bringing in their stuff and she's thinking, well, I don't have that much. And God, can you, can you do something with this? Yeah, I talked about this last week. Doesn't money kind of do crazy things to us? Have you ever had any arguments about money? Anybody? <laughs> no, no, that never happens. Uh, I remember my mom and my, and my aunt were um, arguing. <clears throat> my grandpa had given them a $20 bill. And I remember my mom telling me that they could not figure out how um, to get their split. Because grandpa said you could have each have 10. And so they were arguing about which one of them was going to go and get it divvied up so that they could actually have it but neither one of them trusted the other enough to go do that and so they were arguing and my grandpa came back and they were still arguing and so he walked up and he said give me the $20 bill and he walked up to it and he went tore it in two said there you go now last I checked you can't take a half a 20 and get a 10 and so he said, when you stop arguing, I'll take you to the bank and we'll get you your $10 each. But until then, you got nothing. And so he handed them both the ends of the 20 and they went off pouting and like, can't believe you tore the money, that kind of thing. But when you think about that, as Ben talked about last week, when you really clinch onto things that are not healthy, that, that bring us that bring us earthly security, but not heavenly security. We tend to say, God, I think I better help you on this stuff. I better make sure everything is okay. And I, and I think about that. And Jesus, throughout the Gospels, was trying to get us to release and say, God, you've given this to me, but okay, here, I'm going to give this back to you. And I love, a couple years ago, we did a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus was just telling lots of stories. 
behind. And what I want to do is I want you to close your eyes. No peaky. You've heard the story. I'm going to read, I want to read Matthew 6 to you. And I want you to hear Jesus' words because sometimes we don't hear those words very well when we're stressing or when we're more consumed about the stuff. And listen to what Jesus said. These are his words. Look at what Jesus said. Close your eyes. Look at, just listen to me. Therefore, that means whatever he said before, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the, bo- and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, than val- not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies in the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not, was not arrived to one of these. But it is God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, Where shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God, I ask... I ask for stillness in our hearts. I ask for a level of faith in you and of surrender that what you've called us to do, we will honor you. And whether it's a small amount or a large amount, it's really insignificant. It's, it's a matter of the heart. Always has been, always will be. And what you see and what you look at is the heart. You don't look at the amount. You're not dazzled by the amount, little or small. You just simply look at the heart in which it was given. And I pray, God, that we would have more of the spirit of a boy who looked out at a massive crowd of people with his fishes and loaves and said, God, here's some stuff. Can you do something with it? Or a widow who walks into the synagogue in Jesus' day and brings all that she had literally all that she had as an act of worship. Knowing full well there were people giving far more than her, but her heart was fully surrendered to God. And I pray, God, that you may not ask any of us to give up that kind of thing, but I'm going to guess you're asking us to give up something. Something that we, we like, something that takes too much of our time or attention, something that we want to acquire, Something that would take us out of our comfort zone. Something that we would go, ouch, maybe. 
And I pray, God, that as we, as we serve you and as we give back to you, that what we do is truly out of an act of worship, out of generosity, out of, out of gratitude, not out of obligation or anger or guilt, but out of worship. And I ask, God, that we would be aware of those areas where we're just, we've got too tight a grip on the things that we've, that we've acquired. And if we were to stand back, we would go, man, God, the fact I even have this is, 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 is of you, not of me. That if I have a job that gives me income, it's of you. If I have a home, it's of you. If I have a vehicle, it's of you. If I have a savings, it's of you. And God, I think sometimes we think we have done all that when it's really you. And I pray, God, that we would, we would have less anxiousness and more surrender. That we would enjoy worshiping you in a variety of ways, and one of them would be through tithing. And I think about this, this, this woman, and I think about her season, and I think about her heart. And that's the kind of heart that I want, God. And I ask, God, that we would have an awareness of that. And I thank you, God, for a woman who was fully surrendered to you and had ultimate faith in you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Let me share this one last thing to you. If you trust that what Jesus did for you on the cross, if you trust that what he did on the cross is enough, then hear me on this. Trust him with everything else. If you think that what Jesus did on the cross is trustworthy, and I see lots of heads nodding, then trust him with everything else in your life. Trust him with everything else in your life. Okay? One of the things we do is um, we oftentimes have a time for you just to deal, just do business with God. And uh, coming up here is, makes you, doesn't make you more spiritual. You can do as much as business with God where you are. But sometimes just come up saying, God, I need some focused attention with you. And maybe you need to come up and do business with God. Maybe you've got questions about your own faith journey that maybe you, maybe you want to pray with Corey and I. We would be honored to just pray with you about some stuff. Maybe you want to know more about how to take steps into your own faith journey. Um, because that's, it starts there. Uh, or maybe this about making this your home. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. So let me pray again. And uh, we just want to give you an opportunity just to do business with God if God's asked you to. But in more, even in that is an act of worship. Okay, let's pray. Again, God. <clears throat> I pray that we would rest in the knowledge of what you did on the cross. Was If we trust that, then we should be able to trust you with the rest of the life, the rest of the stuff, who we are. And I pray that like a widow who comes into an environment like this this morning, that she would know or he would know that their part matters. It's not insignificant. It's significant because the heart is what you're always looking at. Always has been, always will be. And Father, for the next few moments, there may be some in this room that they just, they've just had a grip on, on their bank accounts, on stuff, whatever it may be. And maybe you're saying it's time to let go of that. It's time to surrender that. And I pray for the next few moments, there may be some in this room that, that the most important thing they, they need to do is surrender their life to you. And then maybe that's the most important step they need to take. 
But over the next few moments, God, I pray that we will have the courage to not just check this part of the service off, but to say, God, what, what, do, I, what do I need to hear from you this morning? What is it in my life that you and I need to do business with? And I ask God that you would, that we would not ignore you, that we would respond to you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I'll ask you to stand.